Welcome back. Episode 13 of the We Are Everywhere podcast. Uh, I always like having guests on uh, that I've never met before. It's kind of the whole point of this uh, this podcast. I sprinkle in a few here and there of uh, my own fish crew, which are also fun. Um, but this episode is someone that I've never met before. He reached out um, also. And if you want to reach out to be on a future episode, shoot me an email right here. Sttf.weareverywhere at gmail.com. Today's guest is an author, and he's for if you're watching this, obviously you're into fish, and you've probably, if you're a reader, have read some of his stuff. Um, Jamerica, Cornell 77, uh, The Music, The Myth, The Magnificence of the Grateful Dead. Um, and he's actually got a new book coming out, uh, it's on pre order right now Merch Table Blues. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Connors. What's up, Peter? <laughs> How was that intro for you, man? I left out some of your books. You <laughs> more than that, but I didn't want to just like ramble on and on and on. Um, I want to hear it from from you. So you're an author, man, and you're writing about you know music and counterculture. I always think that's such a funny yeah. term. Um, but you're super into obviously the dead fish. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, one how you became to be an author. And then uh, two about your your new book that's coming out. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I will say like I discovered a passion for writing when I was pretty young. I would say like, you know, 15, 16, right oh, in wow. there. I had sort of this epiphany at one point when I was looking at a book, you know, I was assigned books in English class, just like everybody. Sure. But I had this epiphany at one point where I realized that a human being had actually created the words that were in that book, you know, yeah, yeah. because to me, it was like books were just something that were handed to you by somebody. And you're like, oh, they must just appear in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and it became, you know, it was like, oh, wait, a person wrote that, had that thought, put that down. And then it became a book. And I think I can do that because I really like to read books and I like words. And um, so at that point, I just started to, to write. And I will say, like, I never was a successful student. I didn't do well in school. Me either. Um, and around, you know, almost simultaneously, when I sort of got into writing, um, I discovered The Grateful Dead. And this was, you know, like 1985 or so. Cool. Um, I started to get bootlegs from friends and, and so forth. And so to me, writing and music and then, you know, the, the, we say counterculture, the culture that goes with all of that are sort of inextricably linked. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I had no idea that, you know, as, a, as an adult now, I would actually be writing and publishing books that, you know, connected back to that. But the truth is, like, you know, to me, there's a wellspring of American culture that comes from this scene, this community you know, the, the leaders of the counterculture. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it, to me, this is all very much like American culture, not just counterculture. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's how I, I mean, that, that, that is sort of how music and, and writing were always really linked for me. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's cool, man. And it's something you said at the very beginning, whenever you were talking about discovering, like, that someone actually wrote those words that made up a book. I remember having that same thought process, like at some point, and I never followed the path of becoming an author or writing. I'm not very good at it, but I just, I also, whenever hearing you say that, I was like, holy shit. Like, I remember having that same thought. I was like, dude, a person wrote this, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's not crazy to think of, but like, once you make that connection, you're like, 
this is pretty yeah. cool, man. This came from someone's brain. <laughs> and I'm sure musicians, you know, have that same thing, like at a certain point, And, you know, it's probably some sort of brain maturation process. But if you're oriented towards a certain art form in particular, I think there there is that moment where you go like, I think I can do that, you know, and it's not going to be like that one or like that one. But and at that point, you start gathering, you know, influences and and, and as opposed to just seeing something and liking it, it becomes a part of your learning process too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited to, because I've never read any of your work, but after like looking you up and like seeing some of the books that you've written, I was like, oh, this seems like I would be into like reading this. Like this is something that would catch my attention. So I'm looking forward to um, reading some of your work. And you actually, um, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. Um, I've got like a, a secret copy. It's not out yet of your uh, new your new book, Merch Table Blues, um, tell us a little bit, don't give too much away, but uh, let's talk about um, that when it's coming out. I think it's on pre-sale right now. Yeah. Um, what's it about? How'd you come to write it and tell us all about it? Yeah, so the, the books that you had mentioned before are all nonfiction books. So they're very much like research-based and um, except for Growing Up Dead, which is a memoir about going to dead shows starting in the mid 80s and um, and so, but the others were like, you know, a history of the dead playing at Cornell 77. Um, Jamerica was a, what we call an oral history of the jam band scene. So I did interviews with all the early folks, you know, some who, who we'll talk about today, um, who, who got the jam band scene going. And that is like, you know, so it's, a, it's an early history of how the scene came about, the sort of wave after the Grateful Dead, let's say. Um, yeah. This is my first novel. So I hadn't written, you know, I've been doing just nonfiction. And I will tell you that I first, I wrote the first draft of this book over 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's not to say I've been working on this book for 20 years. Um, you know, it always just seemed to me like there's something here. And the real basic premise behind it is like, what if a band who had a cult following, what if it was actually a cult? Hmm. And it was kind of that simple, you know, I was like, okay, like, first of all, obviously, I know what this looks like to be following a band around and stuff. And, um, you know, within any scene like that, there are different sort of clusters of people and, and, and all this stuff. And it just I was really intrigued. And I've always been kind of intrigued by cults and cult leaders and how these things, you know, come about. And so it, it combined a bunch of things that were interesting to me. And um, so, yeah, so this is this is novel. It's completely, you know, fictional. That it's, it's a made up story. And the band is a band that's based out of Burlington, Vermont. And <laughs> how'd uh, you come up with that? <laughs> I know, right. Um, and so, yeah, so the band is it, it, based out of Burlington. They're starting to tour, you know, clubs and, and, and you know, they're still in the early stages but, you know, like tapers have started to show up and things like this that were sort of the early signs that like, you know, people were really paying attention to what was going on here. And so basically you have this band out of Burlington starting to tour up and down the East Coast primarily and a group that's following them. And the group that's really following them is actually led um, led by this cult leader and um you know, there's so it's it's what I'd like to say is it's a very it's a fun like sex, drugs, rock and roll and murder book. 
And, <laughs> and I imagine this and hope to see this like in the back seats of, of cars and vans of people on tour this summer, because it's that kind of book. It's like, it's a fun read. It really is. And I think if you're into the music scene, if you're into, you know, just whatever, something that's going to grip you and be fun to read in between shows or whatever, like get copies, pass them around. I want to see them like dog-eared, you know, on the dashboards. <laughs> Oh, so you're pro dog ear. I would dog ear. <laughs> this, this book should be dog eared and passed around. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I really, you know, it's, it's written, I will say very much like it's written like for us <laughs> and yeah. by somebody who lives this, you know what I mean? So it's like, I would love it to be, to reach a general audience too. And I think a lot of different people could, could read it and dig it. But if you're into, you know, this music and if you're into this scene, like it's going to speak to you. And I will say, like, there's little Easter eggs sprinkled throughout that, like, only right. people in the know are going to, like, even recognize, you know, yeah. a particular name or a reference or whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like the main characters, like Brian and Robert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Time, so I won't give them away, but you'll yeah. find you'll find things in there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to read it. So it's on pre-sale currently um when does it actually come out may 6th um may 6th. so it'll be but you know I, it, it's great if people do pre-order it because it is available now and then you can get it right away and uh yeah i'm excited i'm really excited about it obviously you know it's something that i've picked up and put down for 20 years it's really cool for me to finally get it out into the world and get this idea that wouldn't sort of leave me alone you know <laughs> yeah sure. yeah hopefully it will not leave anybody else alone now too yeah, and we were talking a little bit before. Um, you can actually pre-order it at bookshop.org, and then whenever it, we were going to put the full link in, uh, but it was it was like super long. Um, so just go to bookshop.org and uh, type in Merch Table Blues. It'll pop up. Pre-order it uh, when it comes out. You can buy it. And um, are you going to hit um, any shows and like try to like sling these on lot, or are you just letting? I might. Of it. Yeah, I was talking to I was talking to a buddy last night about that and seeing where he's going. And I don't have any specific plans yet, but I, I may very well do that. Um, it's just I'm not, I'm not positive yet. Gotcha. But you it's know, I also just want to mention that bookshop.org. It's a great place to buy books and things. I mean, you can buy the book on Amazon and stuff too. Bookshop.org actually supports independent bookstores, and money from each purchase goes to support, you know, local indie bookstores. So that's, that's why I like to sort of promote that. Um, yeah. Instead of Amazon, which is, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's fine, but you know, making yeah. the rich, richer type thing. Yeah. Bookshop.org, um, merch table blues. Um, so knowing that you're also on the East coast, you're in New York. Right. Um, just... and we were talking about, um, you know, hitting some shows and maybe, you know, doing that whole thing. Did you um, put in for any tickets on the lottery? Have you gotten any tickets? Are you seeing any shows this summer? I haven't yet. I haven't done anything like about making any plans whatsoever. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay. It, it, and, it's, and I will tell you, like, honestly, like I am uh, 51 years old. I have three kids and I have, uh, I have, you know, a full-time job and all this stuff. So it is tough for me to sort of peel away and go to many. So sure. I'll, I will catch what I can catch, like when I can catch it. Mm -hmm. um, but my days of being able to like go and hit multiple shows are, let's say I'm between them, you know, I mean, like maybe they'll come back, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. yeah, but you've, I mean, you actually sent me um, uh, a picture of some old stubs that you found. Yeah. Um, and I think the dates on those were like 91. So you've you've put in your fair share of, you know, <laughs> going yeah. and like seeing the band. Um, 
So is that when your first show was in, in 91 or when did you start, you know, when yeah. and where did you dive into fish? Right. And, and I will tell you like there, I am much more connected to, I will go and see fish anytime I can when they come around and when they're within striking distance. So my, so my first fish show was at Potsdam college in 1991. Okay. It was on earth day. And I guess the student, you know, the, the student activities committee paid for it. So it was free for us to just go in. Wow. And we had already had, um, I guess we would have had Lawn Boy by then. You know, so Potsdam mm -hmm. is pretty close to Burlington. It's way up north. Okay. So we were getting, you know, tapes and we got the early, early recordings and stuff. And we were, you know, the people that I was with were from the Grateful Dead scene. And immediately, like you know, fish stood out to us. And, and I was hanging, I had friends who were musicians too, who appreciated the sort of jazz elements that they were also bringing into this too, in a way that I didn't understand at that point. I heard the jams more and I heard, um, at that point, I, I was pretty intrigued by a bunch of the lyrics too, being a writer. I was kind of fascinated by certainly like, like the song cycles and stuff like that. And I remember I had an early copy of Trey's thesis that I listened to over and over. Um, I had got a surgery and I, I was recovering. It took weeks and weeks of, re of recovery. And I had that tape and I just listened to it over and over. Um, and I was, I, I loved, you know, I loved like Dark Side of the Moon and I loved, you know, albums that sort of like told this whole story, you know. Sure, I, yeah. So I thought I was really fascinated by the fact that this like new band, this young band, was had this, these amazing chops, you know, they were bringing elements of everything from Frank Zappa to like, you know, traditional jazz and barbershop quartet and, you know, yeah. and, and they were jamming, you know, they were like just fucking melting faces too, you know, it was ripping. like ripping it. Yeah. yeah. So, so this, so when they came, so the reason that they came to Potsdam is because my friends were all in control of the money that were spent <laughs> on. So we were like, fuck, let's get fish up, you know? So fish came and we would all, you know, I, what would, would like, I carried in these, the, we were carrying in their equipment with them. Oh, wow. That's cool. And I remember getting into the truck and the only things left were the trampolines and the vacuum <laughs> and Fishman was in there. And I said, do you, do you need this? You know, there's a vacuum. I was like, he goes, yeah, I play it. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then like went back and came back and there's these trampolines. Like, do you need these trampolines? Like, yeah, we use those too. I was like, right on, man. I have no idea what's about to happen, but cool, you know. And lo and behold, you know, they 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 ripped the uh, you know, there's a fishman vacuum solo in there, and the trampolines came out, and Trey's dog was walking around. I mean, it was very like, you know, it was very sort of homey. And so from that, from that point on, I, I went and saw them, you know, wherever I could. The venues that I talk about in Merch Table Blues were the venues that I was really seeing fish in at that time. Oh, cool. Okay. So they would play, you know, when they played, let's say, for example, Rochester, where I'm at, you know, it was a place called the Horizontal Boogie Bar at that time. And it was literally just a bar and it wasn't yeah. sold out or anything. I mean, you just walk around, you know, it was, it was really... Um, it was, it was very, so I was in a fortunate position, I think, to understand what the band was doing like early on to see that and to also be sort of transitioning a little bit away from or looking for the next thing besides the Grateful Dead. Yeah. You know, like I'm doing now with people who are into fish, you know, when I was into the Grateful Dead, I was like, 
hmm, you should have seen him back in, you know, so-and-so. And I was like, well, yeah, Jesus, I just wasn't born yet. You know I mean? It wasn't my fault, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now I'm doing it with fish to other people. But, um, but we, you know, the people who it, it's, it's not, it's not a reach to say the people who were at those early shows were deadheads who found fish. And yeah. at that time, you know, they were also dialed in with, you know, blues traveler and Aquarium Rescue Unit, you know, you had yeah. Colonel Bruce Hampton out there, who was, I found an old Colonel Bruce ticket stub. Was, I was looking at, let's see if I can, an old Colonel Bruce ticket stub. Oh, wow, dude. That's at... 94, the, is that, is that the Fox Theater in Boulder in 94. So, um, you know, I, the, the, and this is why I wrote to America, it really was important to, to me and to us the way that these bands emerged at the time that they did, because there was a sort of a vacuum a little bit between, you know, what the dead were doing, which at that point was, you know, these, these huge stadiums and things like that. Um, and somebody coming along doing something that was really fresh, but that also like tapped into that, you know, yeah, tapped into that sort of sensibility. And, um, you know, the fact that David Graham, Bill Graham's son was managing a bunch of these bands at the time, um, was really, you know, there was like, there was a lineage there that was clearly, you know, in place. So, so David Graham ran, um, Arrowhead Ranch, which we're going to talk about. Um, and so, you know, there was, there was a real, like, there was a community there that was clearly attached and, you know, John Popper would play, you know, sat in with, I don't know if it was the dead or just with Jerry, but, you know, there was some like handoffs going on there. Um, and even like the spin doctors and the radiators and, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of bands. And then there were smaller level bands too, that were, you know, nobody's heard of them anymore, but they were out there playing and they were sort of in these similar veins too. So to yeah. me, it was a really exciting time because all of a sudden up somewhere and get a ticket and go in and see really great music, as opposed to having to plan it and go to a stadium and get the hotel rooms and all this stuff. And I will say, especially like, you know, in the early, those 91, 92, 93, like I ended up seeing fish all over the place. And I remember specifically they were playing at um, St. St. No, is it Clarkson University? Okay. So it was again, right up near Potsdam where I was way up in the North country. And there was just, it was just roped off to backstage, like literally just a piece of rope, you know? <laughs> um, and I almost think that the stage was a flatbed truck for some reason. They, they pulled it up, you know, and it, it might've been, <laughs> it was very, you know, I mean, it was very like just thrown together, but I remember, you know, so my friends and I were total like freaks. I, I would be worse. We were in a top hat and like dreadlocks and, you know, we were all like fully on hip, hippied out. And you had I, dreadlocks? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. And I remember seeing, you know, Trey looking out at us and smiling. And I think there was this knowledge like, ah, like you could see him connecting with us, connecting with them. And it was kind of like, yeah, this is on, you know, this is on like this and, you know, people. So, so it was, it was a very, I feel really fortunate to have, to have caught, you know, that early yeah. wave. And like I say, I, I really, you know, my life has gotten to a place where I can't do all the tours and all the shows and things that I can, but I, and also, you know, I've, sorry, my battery's about to run out of my stupid computer. No, you're good. Uh, okay. Um, 
Okay. Um, you know, and I've also spent a lot more time just focusing on my own like art uh, and artistic yeah. and taking all those experiences. But, you know, again, I feel really fortunate to have sort of been there and seen that and, and now to be able to, to write about it some, because that's, you know, this is still, obviously it's still going on. And, you know, a bunch of people have been talking about like goose just played uh, a couple nights ago with um, Billy strings, I guess. And, you know, there's, there's just, I mean, it's it just, it just keeps going now. Yeah. It, and it's, it's funny that you brought that up because one of the questions I was going to ask you um, after, after hearing you talk about it, um, you know, with, the the correlation you were tying in with like the dead and like in the early days the people that found fish were more you know that's how they found them there were deadheads that found this new band that was fresh yeah. um so now fast forwarding to today and fish has kind of taken on that role you know they're massive they're huge um what are some other bands now you just mentioned goose and billy strings um any other bands that you kind of feel like have that same early fish energy that could possibly be the next uh big jam band go-tos i like um pigeons playing ping pong i think okay. that they have they have that really fun you know fish had that really fun playful energy and yeah. it was goofy and i see that sort of same goofy energy and also like amazing chops with them um i do think goose is great you know I th there's a there's a bunch going on and and i you know i don't know how you know, if, if those bands are so established now that they're considered to be, you know, top tier. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, you know, and I'm always psyched to just sort of see what's new and coming out too, you know, and, and to hear the connections. Like I do think um, like I first came upon Billy strings through him playing with uh, Bill Kreutzmann. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm like, okay, this, this guy's like phenomenal, you know, and I had never heard of him before, but I heard about him through that connection so, you know, being tapped into that scene keeps bearing fruit. And yeah. I think it's it's always cool to see those sort of handoffs, you know, between different generations, too. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, one band that pops to mind, um, you, you may have heard of them, the Jaunty. I don't know them. Mm -mm. Um, they're worth, um, they're definitely worth checking out. Um, I actually know um, the drummer from a fish you know board message board um mm -hmm. that we're both on and um watching their progression and like watching them grow um i feel like they're headed in that direction of being one of the next you know bigger top tier um jam bands they just got um they're playing a show uh they're doing peach festival okay. um yeah so they're um they're pretty good so if you want to check them out there they're yeah for sure on point um Taking it back to fish, um, knowing that you've been seeing them since the early days, which I think is so cool, dude. You were you were a uh, on your first show, you were kind of a a roadie for fish, like you were helping them load in their gear and stuff. Yeah, I mean, and I'll, I'll say like that happened more than once. There just they there was nobody else to do it, you know. Yeah. What I mean? So it wasn't, and there was just no, you know, there was just no distinction. I, I will say like there was very little distinction between who the band was and who the fans were at that point. <laughs> everybody was just sort of like. I guess yeah. we're all here, you know what I mean? Except for like when they played, it was just, it was phenomenal. Yeah. But, um, I think that's so cool though. Um, yeah. do you know, do you know at this point, um, how many shows you've seen? You know, I knew you were going to ask that. And I, you know, I've consistently seen them since 1991. Um, 
And I'm sure there were years that I didn't, but it's like, it adds up. So I don't know. Gotcha. I, 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 gotcha. And I will tell you, like, I'm, uh, I'm not like one of those memory people that can just go back and like recall things either. I sort sure. of like used that up in the eighties. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to know it was like 40, 50, somewhere in there, but I, I've been to festivals. I'd forgot. I'd been to fish festivals that I forgot that I'd gone to. I think, you know, it was like something in Maine at one point. Like, honestly, like I, I tell you, I saved some ticket stubs and I started going through ticket stubs of old fish shows. And I found one from Lincoln, Nebraska in 1995. Right. Oh, cool. Um, and I was like, why the fuck did I go to Lincoln, Nebraska in 1995 to see fish? And then I remembered I was living in Boulder at the time. And, you know, again, my friend was like, hey, do you want to just go to Nebraska and go see fish? They're playing there. I was like, fish playing in Nebraska? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. So we just dosed and drove, you know, all night, uh, just drove to the show and literally like went to the show and then drove back. Wow. And I will tell you, like, I don't think to my knowledge, they've never played in Lincoln, Nebraska again. And I think they might've even done some sort of release of this show. Um, but again, it was such a, you know, it was like, it was a very like family vibe because it was such a random place to be. And so I will tell you, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff in my life like that, that it got tucked away that I just, <laughs> I, I have the ticket stop. So I know I was there and now I remember it, but like, you know, <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I it wasn't the the early days like that, but even now, just trying to recall, because um, I've only been seeing fish um, in 3.0, and just uh -huh. even trying to recall, like you know, talking with friends, like, hey, were you at this show? And I'm like, uh, nah, no. And then I, like you said, I'll like go through like my ticket stubs. I'm like, oh, I guess I was. Yeah. I'm, like just trying to remember. It all blends in, man. It's yeah, I found one from Riverport Amphitheater in 1995. And I'm like, where the hell is that? And it's in Missouri. <laughs> How'd I get there? <laughs> <laughs> that's so, that. Uh, that's that part of the. It's uh, clearly the there. Culture. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> that's awesome, me. man. Anyway, um, so yeah, so there was, it was, you know, they they have been, I will say, and and so my first time seeing them, '91. So I would, I was only 21 years old at that time. Um, so they've really, you know, I will say like that's the that was the beginning of my adulthood and they've just sort of been a part of the fabric of that. And yeah. I never, you know, was obsessive about them to like the point of chronicling things and, you know, honestly, in some way, even really paying much attention. Mm -hmm. um, in some ways, I've probably taken for granted that they've just always been there and, and I've kind of just grown, you know, they're not much older than me. So I've just kind of grown up with them. But um, they're just, a, you know, they're sort of one of those touchstone things you know it's almost like a, an object at this point even a fish <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and, it, and it's funny that you say that because you know there's so many different types of fans like mm -hmm. uh fans that like you mentioned oh. like chronicle everything they have handwritten set lists for every show they've been to kept every ticket stub and yeah. then you know you also have fans that um are there to do drugs and party and they're just like hey that's a cool band playing like it's, i like the culture and then, you know, you have, you know, just a normal fan. It's like, you, like what you said, it's just like, they've been a part, I've been there since the beginning and, you know, I love the music, but yeah, I, you know, well, you know, I, I guess I was at this show. <laughs> I will say the jam band scene, and this is something that probably hasn't been talked about that much or uncovered that much. I think it has been a really friendly place for people on the spectrum oh. um, because there's a, there's a certain, 
obsessiveness um, to chronicling these things, to keeping track of all these things that really like lines up well with yeah. certain kinds of, you know, autism. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that that's where that all comes from, but I do think it's been, um, I think there's a lot of people on the spectrum who probably like led the charge on that. And then you have people, you know, I guess like me, who I've always considered myself more like impressionistic. So it's less important to me, like the when and the where than like the flashes of like the memory or, you know, the energy of it or being able to recall that, which I find really useful for writing, um, especially because I can always research and look stuff up. But yeah. to be able to create a scene, you need to have like those sort of memories that are more evocative than factual, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially like with the internet. I mean, you can look up anything about any show, set right. lists, step outs, everything. Um, yeah, I'm with you. It's it's the and that's really at the core, you know, what it's all about. You know, that's why we go to these shows. Um, people say, well, why have you seen fish, you know, 50 times, a hundred times, 200 times, right? It's because you, you're going to get something different and new each time, you know, yeah. it could be a standard show. You could, it could be the best show of all time. And that's kind of like what ties it in and the memories and like going with your friends and like the road trip and getting there. It's all the, it's the story behind it. Absolutely. And you know, you do it long enough. And again, that becomes just a part of the story of your life. You know what I yep. mean? So you go like, Oh, where was I at that time? Oh, okay. I guess that's that's who I went with and that's why I went with them and this is what we did. And you know, and and I think the beauty of it is like we always have the music. The music is available, you know, every show is available to us at the drop of a hat now, you know. Yep. And when, you know, honestly like with the some of the first fish that I got was filler at the end of Grateful Dead bootleg tapes, cassette. Oh. And then but like all the early, you know, bootlegs that we had of fish were just cassettes um sure. and then trace thesis was obviously a cassette you could hear him like breathing like <laughs> you know into it and, and all this stuff um but you know so so it was harder to access the music in some ways but you probably listened to the individual shows more and more i mean now you can pull up anything and listen to whatever um anytime and yep. so that's, you know, that's, that's really special too. I mean, it's just, it, it is a, the, the fact that that can happen, you know, it's an alternative you just take for granted, but trust me, like, it's fucking amazing that you can do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. You spent a lot of time trying to track down decent recordings of different bands. Like the fact that you can do that is really cool. Like don't yeah. take it for granted. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's one of those things like, um, just from like my age and not being, born you know or old enough to go during the early days um everything from the time that i've been into fish um has been accessible like that you know you're right. not having to like meet other fans and like get cassettes or cds you know it's just you get yeah. on get on your computer and type in fish and start listening <laughs> you know so or, you know for that matter like watching you know or whatever yeah. i mean it's really yeah it's, it's very cool yeah it's very cool um, one thing that I'm kind of curious of, um, because you have been seeing fish for so long is, um, through all of the shows, do you have like a favorite song or a song that you've been chasing that you haven't seen them play yet? Um, that you I can remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Like, as we just said, like, I don't, um, I, I don't, I will say, you know, as a, as, as sort of old, you know, as an old, whatever, uh, as a 1.0 guy, yeah. um, 
I always like going to shows and hearing like the you know the songs from back in the day because I get that kick of nostalgia. But I really like a lot you know a bunch of the new stuff too. But there isn't anything in particular that I would go like you know like oh they finally played that. I just gotcha. Okay, it sort of all just washes over me. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing that I like to kind of like see what people's different answers are is if um you were trying to you met someone that had never heard of fish like you're you know you're let's say you meet someone and you're, you know, selling your book. They're like, yeah. Oh, fish. I never heard of fish or, you know, like grateful dead or anything like that. Um, do you have a song or a show that comes to mind that you would play for that person to try and convert them or be like, Hey, this is why fish is so great. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a really good question. And I always think of like, you kind of got to match, the album let's say let's like keep it to albums like you kind of got to match the album to the person's personality yeah you know what i mean so i've always liked um like billy breeze i think is a really accessible album and it's got some like just really lovely songs and it's not super you know it's not too weird to give to people where they're like i don't even know what i'm listening to <laughs> sure yeah um so you know that that might be one that would be sort of like here you know here's something easy but I mean, at this point, there's just so, again, there's so much to listen to. Yep. I don't know. I have a funny thing about that where I'm always like, you know, if you if you don't, you sort of either get it or you don't. <laughs> I, I have a hard time thinking like you can convert somebody to liking this, this type of stuff because mm -hmm. it's like you're either oriented toward it or you're like, this is giving me a headache, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or anxiety. <laughs> And, you know, I, I understand both perspectives. I respect both perspectives. I, you know, it's far be it for me to press what I like on anybody else. Um, right. But I think, you know, if if you're into this stuff, like, you'll find it. Like, you know, you know you'll find it eventually. Yeah. And it's like, um, I, f I forget where I saw this or who the actual saying came from. Uh, but it was referring to the dead. And it was um, something along the lines of, um, you know, the dead is like licorice. Yeah. Uh, it's not licorice isn't for everyone, but the people that like licorice really like licorice. Yeah. That was actually Jerry Garcia who said that. Really Jerry cool. said that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great, yeah. it's a great quote. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, uh, on the flip side of you know, you know, talking about favorite songs or songs that you would play for you know people to get them into fish, um, do you have any songs from Fish that you would be okay with never hearing again? <laughs> 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 that's a funny question no i don't think so no they all do it for you yeah i mean i don't you know here's my thing like if it's getting them off you know if they're playing it it must be getting them off somehow so like, yeah who's my to say like don't you know don't get yourself off on what you do <laughs> what do i care i mean you know there's there's always a time to go take a piss you know yeah I mean? so, like, <laughs> yeah that's what i'm talking about like what's the piss break song right you know? yeah so no, but but again, it kind of in the same way. There's nothing I'm chasing. There's also nothing I'm like running away from. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know a band like Fish too is, I mean the 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 real you know the kicker is that you could take something that you don't like and all of a sudden something happens within it that you're you know you don't want to miss. Yeah. And that's what keeps us all coming back. You know, there's there's it's it's not so pat that you're like okay here's this you know four and a half minutes that you know I'll never get back and I wish I didn't have to like live through. It's like no that four and a half minutes just turned into like fifteen minutes that I didn't see coming and transitioned into something else in the middle and then so yeah. you know this is this is why we go because you never quite know what what the turn's going to be. Never know what's going to happen. Um, and so now 
that you've, you know, you spent your early days, you know, like getting hooked on fish and now you're at a different, you know, point in your life. You're, um, you know, you said you got kids and you got your career and everything. You can't see them as much. Um, what are some of those stories? And we kind of talked to, about some earlier in the episode, but like, what are those stories that like stick out, you know, that, um, from, you know, those times, like where you, you know, you wound up in Nebraska and you're like, oh yeah, no, I, I was there. Do you have any stories or memories that pop in your head to where you're like, oh, that was a really cool time with fish or like tr road tripping to see fish or like my buddies, you know? Yeah. You know what, what stood out to me? And, and again, I was going through and I had to, so I, apparently I went and saw uh, them play on New Year's Eve in 1991 in Worcester. Oh, cool. Um, and I do, I do remember um, walking up into the show and I don't know if people are going to know this reference, but there's a big red school bus and it's um, it, you see it on tour different places and the people who uh, own it and run it are called Yashua's and they were always big in the dead scene. And there was pretty I mean, they were, you know, apropos tie, tying back into my book, they really were a cult. I mean, they are a cult. Okay. Um, and so. I went, that was the first show that I saw the Yashua bus at a fish show. And again, it was almost like making eye contact with Trey, you know, and Clarkson. Um, it was like, oh, okay. Like these people are catching on. Like if they're catching on, then that means this is a good place to recruit. And so this is the next scene that they're going to be tied into. And it's a funny, like strange reference. But when it comes back to me writing a book about a novel, about a cult, following a band like that's in there for me you know and it was yeah. an indicator of like the scene is is really coming coming along in that way you know and and i i will say like not in a positive way i, I think it's you know i'm not down with them and I, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff you can read about them and it, it, it is it is a cult um you're like just disclaimer i'm not with the yash <laughs> yeah but but you know they've also been a fixture in the jam band scene community for decades now you know so yeah in that way i'm like okay some smart you know cult leader among them like realize this is a new recruiting ground for yeah. us you know weird and i've never heard of the yashua's what were they because you said that they were like in the culture with the dead and stuff like that too what were like what would they do like yeah and i'm sure they've still i'm i bet you they're at fish shows they hand out um they hand out literature so you'll get like you know you'll they still I've, I've seen this at fish shows you know not that long ago and in fact i got into a big argument i used to like really confront them because they really pissed me off because i felt like you know they really preyed on kids in the scene who were a bit lost and who were probably disconnected from their families sure. um, maybe a little strung out um looking for you know some safety some connection and these, these are the places where cults you know thrive i mean those are the that is the sort of recruiting ground right and in a lot of ways like shows like this are perfect places to find that you know you get kids who've run away you've got kids who are on tour and you know whatever yeah um and so the appeal is you know come with us and you'll be part of our family and we're all about love and there is like a um, religious overtone to it that sort of a mishmash of like even christianity and then different like aspects of you know different religions but yeah. it's nothing really coherent um but the bottom line is once you're in it it's just like any cult so like your money's going there um 
So yeah, you know, uh, you, like if they're if they're, you might see them now that I've pointed it out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Still there. Yeah, and maybe maybe I have already and just haven't noticed, you know, and just thought it was you know some some heads just like a cool to... bus i mean this is the thing like it's a really rad bus you know it's like you just see it and it's completely like decked out and you want to go inside and they want you to go inside and they'll oh. offer you to come inside and they'll give you like you know tea and cookies or whatever and they're usually like <laughs> dancing around out front in a circle um but they were you know they were something that really stuck in my mind working on merch table blues mm-hmm as what is the line between, you know, fandom, obsessive fandom, and just straight up like cult. And then, you know, in my mind, like cult doesn't necessarily even have to be a negative thing. You know, there are there are cults that I would say like, okay, you know, so I mean, is are, are Krishna's a cult? Like, I guess they're a cult, they're a religion, they're, they're whatever, but I don't have any issues with them. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Like is any religion a cult? Yeah. What makes it a cult? Exactly. Is any religion a cult? Is Christianity cult? Like full on, you know what I mean? It's all, it's all cults at some level. Um, And, but you know, when I'm using the word cult, I'm sort of using it in a more like traditional, like almost like Charles Manson-y type, you know, sense, you know, David Grush type sense. And, um, so and and they're that's their sort of tip you know they're they're on that they're on that wavelength yeah it's that's weird man i'm gonna be on the lookout and i'm now i'm like trying to like remember you know like did i ever see a big red bus like was i on a big red bus (laughs) maybe yeah that was it (laughs) the point is you made it off (laughs) so you know it's one thing to get on the bus it's the other to get off of it yeah exactly No, that's cool, man. And I, I, the more that you're talking about this and, and like tying it back into your book, I'm I'm really excited to to dive in and and read it because you know it's one of those things. And maybe it was just like willful willful ignorance on my level. You know, I never really thought um, that there was anything wrong with the scene. You know, mm-hmm. and I mean, other than you know like the blatant like drug use and things like that that can be oh. that can be harmful. Um, but even listening to um, <clears throat> the blackberry jams podcast um talking about like the you know the the racism that can be because you know the fish fan base is predominantly white i don't think anybody will argue that and then um listening to some of their episodes on like um what they deal with you know or um people that aren't white deal with in the culture um it's it's pretty crazy and like you have that and you have you know the, the cult things that are popping in the you excessive know. drug use and, and in the middle of that you have like you know feds you know posing as as custies and stuff like this you know it's like <laughs> and that you know that that be, that was a part of particularly the later you know part of the dead scene too is when you really started to see major busts happening and a lot of undercover activity and police departments just getting like thrilled when they knew that the band was coming in town and it became so predatory yeah and i know that this has happened with you know the fish scene too and you know police departments being able to reach quotas on arrests and different things like that and you know when you have things thrown in there then like mandatory minimums and you have these sort of draconian drug laws um you know some of which have been loosened at different places but you know, it, it it was a really a lot of people did a lot of time for things that, you know, they, they in my mind, they shouldn't have. And I think that, um, you know, it's smart for people to to, 
you want to enjoy and you want to love everything that's going on in the scene and we're there for the music, but it's wise to go in with your eyes open and to be aware of all these other things too, because, you know, especially if you're going on tour or you're doing the road thing, um, that's, you know, it's a good way to learn about life and the world and, and you got to be careful out there too, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think like as getting, as I'm getting older, you know, cause I started, you know, my first show, I was 19, 20, um, it's all rainbows and butterflies and fish and we're partying. And, and now as I'm a little bit older, um, going to shows, it's like, okay, you know, while it's in my front pocket, you know, <laughs> I see something going on over. It's just being observant. Yeah. yeah so one of the things that was, or what was interesting and I'll, this, I guess maybe this is related to your original question, but you know, with the Grateful Dead scene, by the time I got in, in the mid eighties, there was, um, you know, you had old heads who had been around since literally since the 60s or 70s or whatever. And there was a handing down of knowledge and wisdom and how to survive on the road and sort of like rules of the road that you live by. And they would enforce these like you would get shit for doing the wrong type of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was part of the indoctrination of learning how to do that. And when we started going to fish shows and when i say we i mean like all of the hippies who started to follow fish when they first anybody was first following fish um you know some of us took that stuff in but there wasn't that level of like these people have been around forever and so now we're going to tell you how to live in the scene so i think a bunch of us brought that in early on but i don't know that that sort of i don't know that that was an equal sort of translation into the fish scene so much yeah, you know, I'm sure it's developed that way because they've been around for long enough now. But early on, it was a little, um, you know, it was th that sort of those those that those bits of wisdom were coming from the dead scene about how to tour and how to live. And, you know, Fish didn't have to worry at that time about being kicked out of, you know, we can't play this venue anymore because there were too many bus or, you know, they don't want us back in the town or whatever it might be. They, they weren't having those issues, but the dead were. Yeah. And so you also had to learn how to make sure like the band could come back because you wanted to keep being able to camp and vend and all this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's crazy, man, because, you know, with anything that's like that starts off good like that, like with the dead and then with fish, <laughs> as it grows just by the laws of nature, as it grows, you're going to get you're going to get bad parts in there and it's, yeah. it's it's all of our responsibilities you know like kind of like what you were saying like the rules of the road um to and, and it all <laughs> this almost sounds like a cult speech <laughs> well, but like as a fish fan and like as like people that love this music like we have to set an example you know yeah. like we we have to follow the rules per se to make sure one that the band can come back and two that we're all staying safe and that three we're not just like ruining something that's beautiful you yeah know? you know no band wants to be you know set up as essentially bait for for busts yeah and you know unfortunately like when a band hits the level of fish and they have the sort of following that fish does like it's it's inevitable you know they just yeah. that is just the way it happens and again the band i'm sure the band doesn't want to see that you know what i mean yeah. they don't want to be in that role um but you know the 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 so for the book itself, you basically know right away that there are like straight up murders going on around this scene and all that stuff. And you basically meet 
whether it's a band member, whether it's somebody who's in this cult or whatever, like you don't, you can't rule anybody out as the person who's really a ringleader of that until the end. So as much as I'm saying it's, you know, a cult thing too, it actually involves the band in really like specific ways too, that they're, they are much more involved than you might think when you start reading the book. Ooh. This is where this, this is where this spins off, you know, fish was an influence on, you know, the, the basic concept. Yeah. Obviously, then I took it in, in this other fictional <laughs> direction. So I'm not. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, that's just the, the reality is, you know, when, once you're out there on the road, you just got to keep your eyes open. It's, it's just yep. the world. And it's a yep. great way to learn about the world. Yeah, it is. Got to stay safe. Um, dude, you know what you should do whenever the book is done and everything? Mm -hmm. uh, shoot a copy to uh, to Trey or, or the band or their manager or something and just be like, Hey, saw you guys in the early days. You know, you, we had a connection. You looked at me. <laughs> I had dreadlocks to just ship them the book, man. And because, I mean, how cool would that be if they um, read it and like post about it or something? Yeah, that'd be really cool. I was at, um, they, they, there was these concerts called Move Me Brightly that were uh, Bob Weir's TRI Studios. Um, and for Jerry Garcia's birthday, gosh, I don't know how long ago, maybe it was 10 years ago now. But anyway, um, Mike was the play bass for it. Okay, cool. And I was there for all the rehearsals and things like that. So I was just, you know, I got to just hang out there with everybody for a few days before anything happened. And I actually had a really nice lunch with, with Mike and got to just sort of like reminisce about, you know, the, these old days or whatever like that. And I think he enjoyed, you know, I think hearing that too, hearing that sort of like old, older connection as well. Um, and, you know, I mean, seeing like, I remember seeing, um, Fishman with like pork tornado back in the day, you know, and just like again, like you know, at a certain point, if you're old enough and and you sort of like these, you know, they're just they're just folks, right? Yeah. Um, but certainly, gosh, you know, if they talked about the book, that would be really good for the book because a lot of people yeah. are listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, man, once again, I'm I'm excited to read to to read Merch Table Blues um, and actually dive into some of your other work too um, because I didn't know about it. And like the Cornell 77, like that's the greatest show of all time. So like hearing like your take in on that and like seeing how you present it, I'm uh, I'm excited to to dive in and get familiar with some of your work. Was the Cornell 77, that was in um, the box set? Yeah, the, so you're right. So um, Rhino released that Cornell 77 box set that had like four other shows with it. Um, and it actually was released simultaneously with my book. So they put, so the book is in the first 15,000 copies of the box that all contain my book in it too. Wicked. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And that was, that was orchestrated with, you know, with Rhino and with the publisher and sort of coordinated in that way. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. I'm excited. Um, once again, the book comes out, um, the release date is when? Uh, it's like March, April, no, April, May, like May 6th, but you can pre-order it now. What I always tell people is like, order it now and you'll get the first copy as soon as it ships, like it'll be at your doorstep. So, yep. Once again, bookshop.org, um, just search merch table blues. Some of those proceeds will go back into, um, local bookstores, um, instead of a billionaire's pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and man, before, uh, before we wrap up any other like cool stories that are popping in your mind from the road or, uh, just anything else you want to share about your book or life yes. or yourself or anything? 
I will tell you like one thing that was cool and, and I think I sent you a picture of these too. So these are um these are tickets yeah. to Arrowhead Ranch. That was a really special place. And this so these were from July 20th and 21st, 1991. Um that was a really that was I think maybe they had done Amy's farm before that, but it was really like this first sort of like proper festival, I'd say. Um but it was like, you know, again, just roped off and there's just a handful of people there. You can actually see the whole show on YouTube. I watched it last night. Okay, um, cool. So I think if anybody, what I would say is like, if anybody wants to sort of go back in, in time and see sort of the, the time that I'm talking about, go look at that. And it's it's really, there's something very, um, the word that I kept thinking about as I was watching it too, is it's very like human like the sound system isn't crazy. They're just using whatever PA, you know, is available at that time. The music is all phenomenal, but it's very like accessible in this way of like, this is just a band on a stage. You know, they haven't, there's not that transcendence into some complete other world. Like they're on a completely different level now, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, it's amazing and I love it. But um, this was a really earthy sort of experience. The other thing you'll notice right away, or, or, or it's worth checking out is that nobody, everybody's watching the music listening to the music and watching the band and nobody's looking at their phone or holding <laughs> yeah. that. and it was funny because i was watching with a friend who was there with me I, we were watching it last night to sort of you know prepare for this talk and stuff and he pointed it out and i hadn't even thought about it and i went you're right man look at that like everybody's just watching and everybody's talking to each other so i hate to be the old guy who's going to say this to you say it but put your phone down <laughs> listen to the music dance you know you're only there for a short time and you'll remember it trust me you'll remember it. you don't have to see the pictures you don't have to share it with anybody else that's your memory so live it remember it enjoy it and 100%. you will always have the music yeah a hundred percent i i couldn't agree more and um i will say there have been a few shows to where like i'll be like i'll look around because i like to do exactly what you said i'm there for fish i'm there for the music but like if i come back you know from set break or something they just start up like as soon as they're walking out i'll be like quick picture right. i'm like i'm and not that guy, I'm not that guy. <laughs> but we've listen we've all like been behind the person who's like holding up the phone because they're filming the whole thing or they're like you know they've got their friend on facetime you're like and you know i i hate it but like my eyes go to that screen instead yeah i'm like and then I'm like, I don't want to be looking at that screen. I'm like, you know, put it down. And so, but you know what I do? now I'm just the, the grumpy old man telling kids to get off the lawn. So, no, you know what I did? You know what That's I did at okay. one show? I'm I'm not proud of this, um, but it's something that I did do. Um, there was someone in front of me, and they had their friend on Facetime. Yeah, and they were holding it up, and I just snuck up behind them and like touched their screen and hung up, and they went around <laughs> and they were like, "Why would you do that?" And I was like, "Why should I?" Right. <laughs> But it was one of those things where, like, in the moment, I was like, "Cause oh, this is so awesome. And then, like, afterwards, I was like, damn, that was kind of a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but, dude, Peter, thank you so much for taking the time and reaching out and being on the podcast. Um, can't wait to read your book. Um, everyone else, once again, bookshop.org, Merch Table Blues. Um, and man, hopefully I'll see you, uh, see you at a show. I know you I don't have any so. concrete, you know, summer tour plans, but, um, if you wind up getting some tickets, uh, yeah. let me know and uh, we'll link up at some point, man. Right on. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. All right. Take care. Bye.